The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. Once again, I'm Chad Dotson. With me this week is uh, just the number one uh, analyst of Cincinnati Reds baseball in the world, Bill Lack. <laughs> I keep trying to come up with better introductions for you, Bill. And I, I wow, you started drinking early today. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, how can you not be, you know? If you're a Reds fan and you're not happy right now, there have been very few times in your life that you're going to be happy. Well, exactly. And and you called it uh, earlier before we started recording, and I think it's a, a great way to uh, to put it, the era of good feelings. What do you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, you know, this team isn't expected to do a whole lot. I think, I think the most uh, uh, positive among us, that's not the really word I really wanted to use, but I couldn't think of what I was trying to say, uh, the most positive among us would, would say that if they could finish 500 this year, I, I said all along, if they finish 500 this year, Brian Price is manager of the year. And and I think Brian Price has done a phenomenal job this year thus far as, as manager of this ball club. Are, are you, uh, he's, he's managing like we had hoped he'd manage the first couple of years. Now that he has a little bit more uh, at his disposal, a little more talent at Absolutely. his disposal. Yeah. And I think that the, the way this team is playing with the cards that they've been dealt, especially in terms of the starting rotation, which, you know, is basically saying they, they basically went in the same thing they did last year with three fifths of their rotation out of whack. I, I think it's phenomenal what they've been able to accomplish. Well, we came into the year a little bit optimistic. Some of us did, uh, certainly because the Reds had played a little better in the second half of last year, almost 500. And yeah. We're, we're going to start to see some of these uh, some of these new players, and you never know how that's going to go. But, you know, we're sitting here in the middle of May, and the Reds could lose every game for the rest of this month. Every game. And could still have a better record than last year's uh, Cincinnati Reds. So, yeah. I mean, there's some and, tangible and, and, improvement. And, 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 I'll, I'll, as Pete Rose said on TV the other day, I'll bet you they don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to. Did you hear that the other day? No, but I saw someone reference it. I can't believe you said that. Uh, yeah, I couldn't either, and I couldn't believe. Jim. I, my guess is Jim Day didn't know what to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he, 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 he wanted to bet Jim Day that, that Billy was going to steal second base. <laughs> oh, I said, I, I, and Linda and I were both. My wife and I were both watching the game. We looked at each other and went. Oh, Pete! <laughs> <laughs> how many how many times over the last two or three decades have you just sort of sighed and said, "Oh, Pete, <laughs> too many." Yeah, yeah, probably so. Uh, let, let's get back to uh, to Brian Price because I think it's an interesting point. You know, every time something bad goes wrong, oh, the people it's Twitter's the worst, and I, we always talk about it. But everyone yelling for Brian Price to be fired, and. I, <sighs> I don't know about manager of the year, like you suggested, but I don't know how you can be disappointed with the job that Brian Price has has done this year. I just I, I, he's, if you were if you were voting today for manager of the year in the National League, who would you pick before him? Dusty Baker. I just yeah. to, just to, <laughs> just to it's tweak easy you. To throw, you know, <laughs> Brian and Bryce Harper and, and eight other really good guys out there every day. I know. No, really. I mean, the Reds are in the thick of things, and and. And there's something sort of tangible that we can point to that Brian Price has done to to help that, and that's his use of the bullpen. We've talked about it before. Absolutely. It's something that no other manager in baseball, well, no other manager in Reds history, certainly, but uh, everybody you know, crying for a new manager. There's, who else are you going to get that would be so creative in the use of his bullpen? We've never seen it in Cincinnati. No other manager with the exception of maybe a Joe Madden, but even not him that much. But I, I would say, and I, you know, again, I'm going to throw my, I'm going to show my age here. But he's managing his bullpen like Sparky Anderson used to manage his bullpen. Right, and that was the you know Captain Hook. Multi, multiple innings, dip, use different guys in different spots. And I mean, it, I, it was a different time. I mean, I understand that. You know, it was, it, it was, uh, 
you know, you didn't have a closer per se, you know, and a setup guy per se, but Sparky, you know, he, he Bourbon, Carroll, you know, Eastwick, McEnany, yeah. they, you know, they all uh, so, were used in, in different spots, you know? So what you're saying here is that Brian Price is Sparky Anderson. I mean, is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you're absolutely right, though. It, and it wasn't. But you know, when you said Dusty Baker before, you know, Sparky never won manager of the year with the Big Red Machine. Well, I don't know why he would have. It wasn't like he did a very good job. <laughs> yeah. I would think he should have won just for dealing with all the egos. Oh, my gosh. Having to juggle all that in the clubhouse. Absolutely. And then being the most dominant team on the field uh, as well. You talk about Sparky, and it was a different time. Yeah. Uh, um, but on the other hand, it wasn't such a different time that what he was doing wasn't, uh, you know, didn't cause people to stand up and take notice. That's how he got the Captain Hook nickname. I mean, he was doing things that other managers just weren't doing. Flip over to Brian Price doing similar things. I think it's a great comparison in some ways, but it's even more kind of outrageous or more surprising that Brian Price would do this because of the era we're in, where it's the specialization of the bullpen and pitchers can only go one inning and, and some left-handed relievers can only pitch to one batter. You know, It's such an era of uh, excess specialization in the bullpen. The fact that Brian Price has been able to get his bullpen, and, and the fact that they're mostly young guys is helpful in this respect, but to get this bullpen to buy into what he's doing, and uh, and that he's actually followed through on his plans to yeah I mean like the other day um, oh who started and went uh, five innings oh gosh uh, Tim, pick a name yeah really <laughs> right yeah exactly I think it was Tim Adelman this particular game but but went five innings and uh, pitched you know, okay ball gave up a couple runs two or three but then Michael Lorenzen comes in for two innings two and then Iglesias for two and then Iglesias for two I mean and that's something we never would have seen before and and of course it does help to have a better some better arms out in the bullpen. But I'm well, just thing, astounded you know, by The it. other thing is, also, he it shows that he must have the trust of the front office because he's doing this while he's also fighting for a job. I know, think, he's in the last year of a contract, right? He is, yeah. They signed him to just a so, one-year extension. So, I mean, either he is extremely courageous or else the, the, the front office is, is, you know, has okayed this idea of, you know, the non-standard usage of, the, of your bullpen. You know, and the local media is, and I don't know how much you read the Enquirer. You know, they're all, well, you can't, won't be able to do this all year. They'll run all the, you know, they'll wear all the arms out. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> Who's to say that? Nobody's ever tried this, you know, at least not a long, long time. And the, and the guys in the bullpen that you're depending on to to pitch, you know, maybe more innings than most relievers, these are guys that have been starters. Uh, you know, there's no reason to believe they can't pitch more than just, you know, 60 innings like Araldis Chapman did. Um, and they're young. And they're young, yeah. You know, um, Dick Williams has said, I, I think not only is Brian Price doing this with the blessing of the uh, front office, right. but I think it's all a, I think it's a team effort here. I think that they're all on board with this, and Brian Price may be uh, getting more on board than uh, he was previously because of the job issue. There is a team option, I think, for next year on his contract. But, uh, you know, to listen to, Brian, to Dick Williams, general manager Dick Williams talking, and, and they love the idea of being able to use – some of these guys in uh, expanded roles that we've seen in the well, past. Well, that's a more, you know, and we and he's and they've talked about it. he talked about this I think on the podcast with you and and I know they talked about this at the Q and A we did last summer with the front office people where you know the more innings you can get out of your bullpen the more valuable they are. You know, we complained about uh, Raldis Chapman, for example. Oh man, they're using him as a as a closer instead of as a starter, and a starter is so much more valuable. And it's true that a starting pitcher can be more valuable, but there's also this middle ground. If you can use a reliever. Maybe not quite as many innings as a starter, but with an expanded role like that, then you create you create more value out of that player. I mean, you're getting more value out of that player. So, like a guy like Iglesias who has the shoulder issues, if you don't think he can be a starter, but you think he can do sort of that that mid level role, 100 innings maybe more, 120, then all of a sudden that's a that's there's great value in that because these are not only uh, ex- you know an expanded number of innings for a reliever, but these are high leverage innings. You're bringing him in uh, as Price has shown he'll bring him in when they need a good reliever. So, yeah, he's uh, the thirteen games he's pitched, he's he's finished eleven of them. Yeah. So I mean, he is the per se closer, even though he he is not used exclusively in that role. Yeah, that's his that's his title. Uh, I guess it's not really his title though. I mean, uh, I don't know that anybody calls him that. And and if you look at it, the Reds, have I think four different guys that have saves this year. 
I think Lorenzen, uh, Storen, I think Robert Stevenson yep. got one the other day. Yep. So it, it's he is kind of the closer, but man, it's not the closer like we've thought about in the past. It's more the closer like they would have thought of it in the you know late 70s or early 80s or even before right. that. You know, the firemen is what they called them back then. Yeah. You know, Goose Gossage the is the guy. The Wayne, Granger, the Wayne Grangers. Yeah, they'll come in and can pitch three innings and, uh, you know. Pedro Bourbon. Finish the game. Yep. So it's, it's and if you look at and if you look at the numbers, I mean the Reds have got five guys in their bullpen right now that, that they can go to that are going to get them out. <laughs> they had zero last year. Yeah, I mean, I tell you what. And the other thing is, and, and we, we you and I talked about this, and I, I don't know that we talked about it on here or whether we talked about it off. Okay. This is the youngest Reds team in a long, long time. At least from from the uh, the position player standpoint. Since the early seventies, I mean, and if that doesn't excite you when they're playing this well, and and, and you know, other things that there's still questions. Hell yeah, there's still questions about this team. But you know, you see, and and, and you know, I, I realize you know, it's like the bullpen guys. You know, the the most any of them have thrown is twenty innings, and of the guys that you're going to see a lot, you know, it's between sixteen and twenty innings. Does that really tell you a whole lot? No. But if you're not impressed with guys like Wandy Peralta. I don't know what it takes to impress you. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, uh, even the weak links in the bullpen, Blake Wood's been pretty good. Uh, you know, yeah, um, he is what he is. He's just sort of an average reliever. That's what he was last year. But you know, um, this year he's not pitching any eight innings, uh, eight, eight innings or anything like that. You know, the Reds have with with Iglesias, Lorenzen, Storin has been great, and Peralta. I mean, those are four guys better than any they had last May. You know. Yep. Um. And, and considering that you know the you know Singrani's on the DL, yeah, uh, you know they've had to dip down for starters repeatedly into the minor leagues. Uh, I don't know how you can't be thrilled with where they are. Um, the the only guy on this team that, that to me hasn't looked good at all is that rookie Davis kid that they sent back to Louisville the other day. Guy, he he just looked at, from every game he looked overwhelmed to me. Now you know. God knows, I don't. You know, I'm not a pitching expert, and but it, it, it all, I almost wonder whether they have him. They had him on the roster because they weren't as worried about hurting his career as they might be some other guys that they could have put in there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and I think that's maybe not an unreasonable way to look at it. Uh, you yeah. Know, those- they yeah, yeah. Or, or or maybe they think that he, mentally he's tough enough that he can come up here and get roughed up and go back down. Maybe go back down and and, and take what he learned up here by getting beat up and, and and you know put that together and come back and and you know won't suffer from those 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 mental anguish of, of getting your brains kicked in. You know, your first time up in the big leagues. Yeah, it's a it's a situation where they have more information than we do. We can only speculate, but uh, the fact is he's been overmatched so far in his big league career. But he's a guy that, you know, sort of his value, his stock really grew in the second half of last year. And then this spring he, he looked uh, looked good enough to win a spot in the starting rotation on opening day. So, And, and what is he, 23? Has he turned 24 yet? Yeah, he's 24. 24, so, you know. So, still a baby. Still a baby. and uh, he, he's, But he's the same age as Finnegan. People forget people forget how young Brandon how young Finnegan, Finnegan is. Finnegan. Yeah, because he's been in the big leagues. He's younger than Amir Garrett, and Amir Garrett's the rookie, you know. Yeah. I, you know, the oldest guy on this staff is Blake Wood. And he's 31. Oh, ancient. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I take it back. I take it back. Grandpa Arroyo's. I, I forgot about him. <laughs> well, yeah, we've just, if we're talking about the starters, I guess. you got Arroyo and Feldman a little older, but. Um, yeah. You know what? And they're playing. I mean, we all know they're playing. If they get health, here's a question for you. And I know you're, you know, you're the president of the Bronson Royal Fan Club. <laughs> but when, assuming they get healthy and get all three of the guys back that are on the DL right now, that are that we expected to be starters, you think they release Arroyo? Uh, no, I don't. I think that they put Arroyo in the bullpen. Over over a guy like you know some you know the the Barrett Aston Austin Bryce spot in the bullpen uh, is what I think a long guy. Uh, first of all, though, we're talking about you know July or August before we get all these guys back. Uh, Homer Bailey did throw off a mound this week, but 
Yep, that was the second time. Yeah, don't let's not the second, uh, bullpen, second bullpen. Fingers crossed. Uh, it looks well, the one that the one that's the Disclafani is the one that's starting to concern me. It's scary. They, they keep saying they're bringing him back to look at him again. Yeah, and he's not throwing yet. Yeah, uh, and he could be the best of this bunch. Yeah, he really could. So, think about this team. Let, let's go into an alternate uh, scenario here. Uh, alternate universe. Here. Alternate universe. <laughs> Earth 2.0, where, <laughs> where Dee Sclafani and Homer Bailey are healthy to start the season, and Finnegan is, uh, stays healthy, but especially those two. So then you've got uh, Dee Sclafani, Homer Bailey, you've got Finnegan, you've got Garrett, you got, you know, I don't know who and else. Somebody else, whoever somebody, it is. Somebody else, right. Probably Feldman, I would think. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably Feldman because they did sign Feldman before um, before they were sure that DeSclafani and Bailey weren't going to yeah. be back. So, yeah. so probably Feldman. Think about that starting rotation if they're all healthy versus what we have now, and then you think about the bullpen still be doing what they're doing, and then you know, the lineup third most runs in baseball. Uh, the defense has been the number one rated defense in baseball. All of a sudden, this team. Looked looks really really, you know. And we're not talking Chicago Cubs. More, I think probably a, a team's on the cusp of being a playoff competitor. Don't you think? I think it could be. You know, you know, you, you know, uh, you know. If we're going to dream, we might as well dream. You know, dream well. <laughs> um, of course, it, it also seems to be depend on who they're playing. I mean, they they played the Cubs tough in a you know in a in a series or I don't know where they played two series or one series. Then against Milwaukee, they don't even look like they know how to play baseball. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's but that's sort of a young team though right you know they're, oh yeah they're gonna be up oh, and yeah. down they're so learning your mark of a young team and, and the, what, what's the guy's name in milwaukee the guy's hit seven billion home runs already yeah eric thames thames uh yeah. i'm sorry and i know i'm old school but you hit five home runs off me in four games you ain't gonna hit anymore <laughs> you gonna bring a little a, chin a, music a, i'm not gonna give you anything to hit and b you're gonna be picking yourself up off the dirt more than once <laughs> little chin music you're suggesting well, you know, you know what Joe Nuxall used to say. What's that? The game's gotten so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Joe wouldn't have been hesitant to. Uh, no, Joe. Joe would have drilled him. Yeah. I can... <laughs> yeah. Well, people don't. Bob Gibson would have drilled him. No one pitches inside these days. <laughs> you know, uh, I go watch my son's little team. Uh, you know, eleven and twelve year olds, and the, the pitchers in these games. No one, and there's some pretty good pitchers that they play against. No one wants to pitch inside ever. Everybody's terrified of hitting a batter. So I guess that's good. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. What do I it, know? Well, it, it, it sure, the, the batter, the, the hitters sure like it that way. Sure. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they can own that inside part of the plate if, they're, if they don't have to worry about, you know, if they're diving in. And I just, as, a, as a big league hitter, I mean, I don't know how you get somebody out by just giving him, giving him the inside portion of the plate. Right. I mean, yeah. You're, you're really, too good. you're really only working on the outside part of the plate or, or, or you know, or, or down and in. Yeah. But okay. So this rotation, even in earth 2.0 is, is not a, you know, it's not the greatest rotation the Reds have ever had, but an adequate rotation. But to me, it doesn't have a number one. It, it, it does not, not this year and maybe not long term. but to me, the starting rotation is the, has been the weakest link in the in the Reds uh, organization this year but I see it as being I don't know uh, I'm the most optimistic about that group going forward there's so many young guys some of them have to work out you would think well and, 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 you know and that's what we said you know that, that they, they in fact there there are many people at least you know concluding myself have said at some point you got to stop start you know stockpiling pitchers you need some position players and and honestly, if you look at the depth and position players, who you know, you, your number one guy is is playing high A ball. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm not I'm not giving up on Jesse Winker by any stretch of the imagination, but I have to admit his lack of power is starting to give me some concern. He finally hit a home run this year. Did he? The, yeah, just a couple days ago. Yeah. Well, that's good. First home run of the season. Yeah. It's almost Memorial Day. <laughs> right, right. You're right. You're right. But on the other hand, it's not like the Reds. You know, we talk, we talk about the number one prospect being in high A. But on the other hand, the the major league lineup, outside of 
uh, Cozart and Votto is pretty is pretty young. I think you sent me something uh, a while back that said it was the youngest yeah. starting eight since starting eight since I think seventy two or seventy one. Yeah, um, that's pretty amazing. And those guys developed and got to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I don't think we've got a great eight here, but we do have some guys yeah, that, yeah. with some upside that you know uh, Suarez is just keeps getting better. Parraza has to do better than he has. Uh, you know. Let's talk about him for a minute. Okay. He's been terrible. That's a pretty accurate assessment. Okay. How long do you let him? How long do you leave him out there? Is is he there all year, no matter what? Well, or, at some, or at some point, do you have to put Jeanette in there? I guess that's the question. Who who who, who are you going to replace him with? And and Scooter, uh-huh. Scooter Jeanette is is sort of the likely choice. He's been a starter for what three or four years in the big leagues, and and what a, and what a great pickup. Yeah, for for practically nothing. I mean, I think it was, I guess he was a waiver wire claim. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's you know his OPS plus is one hundred twenty seven. You know his OPS is eight eighty one. Um, you can't complain about that for a part time guy. No, you can't. And plus, he has <laughs> he, he has a really cool name. Uh, you know, and well, he, a baseball that's a that's a baseball name. Oh, it is. It is. You know his his first year as a full time starter in Milwaukee at age twenty four. You know. Nine home runs. He hit two eighty nine. His OPS plus was above average. Uh, pretty good season for a twenty four year old. And then at twenty five and twenty six, he dipped, dropped back just a little yeah. bit. Um, this year he's twenty seven. So, so my to answer your question about when do we when do we get rid of Parraza or when do we at least send him down? Uh, my first question in response to that is who do you replace him with? If you were going to say you know uh, Dilson Herrera, he's not hitting particularly well at AAA. Yeah. Um, and that would be the the logical choice, uh, and I never would have guessed that Scooter would be in that conversation. But you know, and he's only twenty seven. I mean, it's not like he's an old guy. That's what, that's exactly what I was going to say. We, he's been around for a little while because he you know got to the big leagues at age twenty three, but the guy's just twenty seven. You know, well, and, and as we've often said, if you're playing in the big leagues at twenty three. They think you had some skills. Yeah, you got some talent. I mean, yeah. Um, Here's the question, though: If they make the decision to to not start Peraza, to pull him out of the starting lineup, do you send him down? I think so. I think so too. Yeah, I think so because I think he needs to play every day. Because uh, the flip side of what you just said, if you if you're playing in the major leagues at 23, you know you got some talent. Uh, uh, Peraza made his debut at age uh, 21, at wasn't it? Age 21. Yeah. So yeah. you know, um, he's just he's just 23 right now. Um, the thing is, and, and you know, he's always going to be a contact guy. You know, he's never going to be an on-base percentage guy. He, he's just never going to learn how to walk. He's just—he is what he is. You know, and I, I hate to say that twenty-three. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe he'll—he'll he'll learn how to do that. But I, you know, I'll—it'll be like I'm from Missouri. You'll have to show me. Well, he, he's he's probably going to be prone to uh, wild swings in performance, slumps and uh, things if yeah. it's because of that. You know, with Parazzo, what I probably do here is I probably give him the the rest of the first half, even if he continues struggling like this. At some point, you got to give him some extended uh, at-bats. What's happened is he hit well last year at the end of the year. Pitchers adjusted, as Major League pitchers do, and now Parazzo's got to try to adjust. And if he's still hitting, uh, if he still has an on-base percentage of 273, at the all-star break, I may say, hey, we're going to send you down. And we're going to let you start every day. We're going to try to work through them. We'll have some specific things for you to work on at AAA, and we'll get you back up by the end of the season. And I hand it to Scooter Jeanette. And give it, and let Scooter Jeanette start at second for, for two months, unless Dilson Herrera shows that he's ready for it in, yep. in, in, in AAA. In little, yeah. um, but, but otherwise, I give it to Scooter. And I say, all right, Scooter, you've not complained about uh, being on the bench. You've been a, a rah-rah guy in the clubhouse. Uh, evidently, you uh, and you performed well off the bench. It's yours now, and it, you know he may he may grab it and never let it go. And if so, you know I could live with Scooter Jeanette maybe for the next. Yeah, it'd be a good problem to have. Yeah, it'd be a good problem to have. It, you know, similar to what we talk about with Nick Senzel at third base and Eugenio Suarez is already there. You can't have too many good players. And then if Scooter Jeanette decides to hang on to it, then you know Herrera and or Peraza are going to have to take it away from him. Yep. But now, well, the, whenever you run into those situations like that, it always reminds me of Chris Sabo. Yep. You know, he, he started because Doran was hurt. 
I think it was, played so I well, was, never got a job back. I think it was Buddy Bell, wasn't it? Oh, I thought it was Bill Dorn, but you maybe you, you could be right. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, it, it, it was one of those guys. But you're right. You, you I mean, at some point, it, it becomes not uh, just projection; it becomes performance, and yeah. and you got you got to take it. Now, the other part of that equation is: is Zach Cozart going to be traded? Because if so, then Parazza probably slides over to shortstop. Yeah, and and they're not deep in the. It, it, from my thinking, they're not deep in the organization at shortstop. Not unless you consider Peraza a shortstop or Eugenio Suarez, a former shortstop, uh, as a possibility for, for that position because they don't have I, any. I tell you what, you, you, I'd be pissed if they messed with Suarez at all. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Listen, Suarez has been amazing uh, defensively. He's playing Gold Glove third base. He really is. Uh, no one saw that coming one year ago. No. Um, so well, yeah. the other thing, the other thing I wonder too, when we're talking about roster spots. I think in another three weeks to a month, assuming Devin stays healthy, can play, can build up his playing time, I don't look for him to hold on to this Turner. I, I know we've there's been a lot of talk on, on, on Red Leg Nation about Turner and blah, blah, blah. But he's a no-hit, de- fairly decent defensive catcher. He's not worth the roster spot, and if he can't and 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 they can't send him down, and if they trade for him, he's still got to go through waivers. I read right, so he won't go through waivers probably. So to me, you know, the only reason I see him holding on to him now is just to to ensure that Devin's going to stay healthy. And I think that's the only reason he's here now. I mean, uh, you know. That's what I mean. Yeah. Mesoraco has not been healthy for two straight years, so it's not so insane of the organization to say, well, no. let's show me, like you said. Yeah. Um, but you're right. He's had like six uh, plate appearances, Turn- Stuart Turner has, in May. I mean, it's just it's a it's a waste of a roster spot, and, and I get it. I get why, they, why they're doing it. Because if they if – there's, At some point, they'll have to make a decision. There's just so little depth down there that, that's yep. ready to come up and play in the major leagues. Although I tell you, uh, 2015 number one pick, Tyler Stevenson, uh, is finally he's healthy this year, and he is playing incredibly for Dayton. So, I mean, it's yep. still, still a ways away. but uh, he's Yeah, a, I, have to, I have to believe that he's going to be in Daytona before too long. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, the, the, I, you know, probably after Memorial Day. That's they, they, It's generally around Memorial Day when you start seeing the first – wave of moves they may wait a little longer for stevenson since he was hit, hurt a lot of last year and um but uh, yeah it's, it's not going to be long and i think Nick yeah but i still think they want to get him back on, i think they want to get him back on on time track yeah yeah although he was a high school guy so he's not as far behind as he would have been otherwise but well, yeah. and he's a catcher and they generally evolve slower anyway i mean yeah. you know devin took what four years to get yeah devin had some rough years yes before he became yep. devin um, yeah, and hey, let's talk just quickly about uh, Devin Mesoraco. Yeah, I've been really pleased. I mean, nobody expected the 2014 All Star Devin Mesoraco, but I've been pretty pleased with the the way his bat looks. He, you know, he doesn't look it doesn't look like he's overmatched, like he's trying to get his swing back. Um, he's uh, seeing the ball well. He's walked a number of times. On base percentage 378. I'm looking at it now, right now. Yeah, so, he's, got, he's got five walks and, and 37 play appearances. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's only struck out six times. So I'll take that percentage all year long. And if that power starts to come back a little bit, I think he only has one home run, but if that power starts to come back a little bit, all of a sudden, uh, that's a huge bat to add into the lineup that we didn't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, had, he got his first double yesterday. Yeah, yeah, hit that ball hard. Yeah. So I'm really happy for that guy. I mean, uh, he has the reputation. Uh, of being, he, he's one of our favorites. He you is. Know, we, we admit our, that, that's the one thing about us here. We at least we admit our favorites. <laughs> yeah, we, we advertise our biases, don't we? Uh <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, Miserocco is just, uh, he, what, can you imagine the mental stress of signing that contract and then oh. being essentially hurt for two straight years and feeling like, that you know, you're, you're stealing their money, kind of, and everybody says he has just worked so hard to get back to playing shape, and it just, you got to yeah, I mean, he has a lot of personal things. He, he got married and had a baby and, and all that stuff during that time, too, so, you know, he, he, he had a lot going on, a lot on his plate. Yeah, and so it's happy. I'm happy to see him come back and have a little bit of success, and uh, and happy to see Tucker Barnhart still being Tucker Barnhart. He's, I just, you know, I, I, 
I love Tucker. Tucker will, Tucker will play in this league for a long time. That's I think you and I have said that for a while. He'll be a, a at least a backup catcher in the big leagues. I mean, he's going to be David Ross or somebody. I mean, he's going to be around. Yeah. Uh, for, for he could a, play another ten. He could play another ten, twelve years. Oh, easy, easy. If, if he stays healthy. Yeah, we're going to look up and see that he's had a wonderful uh, big league career. And then, again, what a great guy! What a great kid! Another kid that's uh, joined us here on Red Leg Nation Radio, huh? Yep. Yeah, we met uh, met Tucker when he was playing in Dayton. Yeah, and he, you know, he's a, he's a fairly local kid. He's from the Indianapolis area. Good so, kid. yeah, he, he really is. He's a, a just a great guy. Now, have you been surprised this offense has been able to score as many runs uh, as they have? Like I said, number three in in the majors in run scoring. Uh, did you see this coming? No, I, and and but you know what? If you remember when we talked to when we talked to Chris uh, Chris Welsh not long ago. And during during spring training, he talked about this team's starting eight being able to put runs on the board. So he, Chris saw it coming. I sure didn't. Not not at this. Not you know not like this. But you know I didn't see Zach Cozart with a three thirty six you know batting average and a four thirty two on base percentage either. Yeah, Cozart's been the, certainly the big surprise. I mean, uh, Suarez has taken a big step forward. He, he may be settling back to his level, but he's. You would expect Suarez at age 25 to take a step forward. Yeah. You'd, you'd expect Scott Shebler to take a step forward at age 26. I mean, Shebler had some really good minor league numbers. People kind of forget that. And he's been he's been good uh, for most and of the And he years. really struggled early. Yeah, and, and to have his numbers back where they are now and uh, tied with Duvado for uh, home, 10 home runs, the team lead. Um, and, of course, now Duvall, he's in a little bit of another slump right now, but uh, Duvall – has not regressed. I mean, he continues just to do what Duvall does. He didn't get on base a ton, but he hits the ball hard. You know, he eight doubles, nine home runs. You know, yeah, if your slugging percentage is over five hundred, you're hitting the ball pretty hard. And and you know what? I'll take Duvall's numbers as they are now. When you oh, yeah. when you when you include the fact that he's uh, really at this point, I believe an elite defensive left fielder. He's he's still great this year. You know. Yep. So and, and somebody, said, somebody said this on the, on one of the comments the other day that I was reading on the blog and. and the team doesn't really have a number four hitter, and that, you know what though that doesn't bother me. No, because I think there's you can see four different guys that you could feel like you could put in, and five maybe when Mizarako's healthy, that yeah, you, that you could put into that spot. Absolutely. Let, let's talk about your, your 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 superhero boy. Yeah, let's talk about him. You want to? I'm ha- always happy to talk about him. Offensively. He seems to me like one day he, you know, he'll go three games, and again, he's only twenty six, but he'll go three or four games where he looks like he's got it, and then he goes three or four games where he doesn't look like he's ever played before. I, I don't argue that. I just don't. I don't know that he is ever going to get on base enough. Oh boy, you're sounding like Marty. I don't think this kid's ever going to get it. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But. <laughs> Right, but he—I mean, this is what his third year starting. Yeah, now, you may be right. You may be right, and I—and I don't know how long you can run him out there for 150 games. Well, he doesn't play 150 games, you know. And that—and that's the other issue, you know. Defensively, he may be the best defensive center fielder this team's had in my lifetime. If not, he's in the top two or three with with Davis and Geronimo. Right. Uh, that's pretty good company. That's very good company defensively. <laughs> yeah. And and I think he gets to more balls than either one of them did, but I don't think he has the arm that either one did. True, true. Well, uh, l- but Let me make the argument on the flip side, because I can't really okay. argue with what you're saying. I mean, it's true, and uh, some some weeks he looks great, some weeks he looks like he doesn't have a clue. and it's. But boy, when he looks good, he just ignites this offense. Well, this it's a different offense. Yes, when he's getting on base. I mean, it's uh, exactly. yeah, and so so you're right. He has to figure out how to get on base. Here's why I'm hopeful. Um, he's drawing walks. He's seeing more pitches, I think, than anyone on the team per plate appearance, ex- other than Joey Votto. I believe uh, I saw that. Um, so that's the Votto effect. He's been working with Votto. Also, if you look, if you dig a little bit into, and we're still early, so you know these stats. Who knows whether this is something that's going to? Yeah, we're still uh, in small sample size range. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain this. If this is real improvement, but so far the stats, and we are, you know, thirty-five games into the season, thirty-six games into the season, he's hit his line drive percentage is way up. He's hitting more line drives than ever before. He's hitting fewer fly balls than ever before. So he's hitting the ball on the ground and line drives more. 
Um, and also, by a huge margin, he's swinging at fewer pitches outside the strike zone. You know, they got this stat cast that measures all this now. So he's at a career high for the, the, the fewest number of pitches swung at outside the strike zone. So to me, if I'm looking for reasons to be optimistic about Billy Hamilton, and I'm always looking for those reasons, uh, because <laughs> <laughs> because I want him to be, I could, because you just, well, we all, I mean, it's not like I don't want him to do well, right? I no, mean, but you see what he can do I, for this team. I'm just a little more, I'm a little more unbiased on Billy than you. <laughs> No, I get that, and 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 nothing you've said is is incorrect, and all the criticisms that people have leveled against Hamilton, they're all legitimate. But I just, I guess, because I want so badly for him to be that leadoff hitter, that you know, a three forty on base percentage, because that completely changes everything about this offense. Uh, you know, because we've got guys like Votto, Votto's Votto, but Suarez, Duvall, Shebler, uh Cozart now, Mezzarocco, if he's hitting. I mean, these are guys that can can uh, drive runs in. And just with all the havoc that Hamilton uh, causes on the base and all the extra runs that's going to generate for the Reds, uh, I just think it makes this team, it will sort of accelerate the rebuilding process, I think. If he becomes a legit leadoff hitter, man, what a what a benefit to the offense. So I think there are signs that he is improving in the areas where Votto wants him to improve. But uh, you're some some weeks even, I mean, he just looks lost. I, I agree. And uh He's 26. That's all. I, I guess what I'm going to hope. He's just 26, and he's still learning. Yeah, I, I, you know, I hope, but I don't know how many years you can wait. Well, his on-base percentage last year was league average. It was right at league average. So yeah, but as I said, as I said last year, is that a trend or a blip? Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll find out. We'll, uh, exactly, and and yeah, if he's at a 302 on-base percentage or lower. You know, come September, then, you know, then maybe it's time to, I don't know if get worried is the right answer, but it's time to maybe give up on him as a leadoff hitter. Um, yeah, he's still going to yeah, have and, and, you know, and with the other, the, the, the thing is with the tools that he has, if he's not, even if he's not getting on base, he, he brings some, you know, the defensive tools. And he's going you know, do you replace him and using you know as, as a defensive replacement? You know, do you pinch runner? You know, or or is his defense so great that you you deal with his offense and push him down in a lot? You know what I mean? I think you bat him eighth, and uh, if he, if he can't improve the on base percentage anymore, I think you bat him eighth because the value he brings defensively uh, is. I mean, he's still if you look at go by WAR, he's still a slightly above average player in in the big leagues. Even the way he hit last year, I mean, you know, even with a, a bad on-base percentage, he's a two- or three-win player. And that's a guy you can live with uh, at the number eight spot in your lineup. You make it difficult for yourself when you got a guy like that leading off, though, if he's not getting on base. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I'm telling you, I don't know where you put Jesse Winker in there, because uh, and you mentioned him earlier. Winker just gets on base. I mean, the guy just gets on base no matter where he is. You're right, no power, but I'd love to see him at the two spot in the lineup. With Billy getting on base and then having Votto, uh, yeah, yeah, assuming he assuming he brings those skills to the big leagues, yeah, and you can't assume that, but uh, he's he's had an, a great on base percentage every step of the way, so you would hope. But, you know, and the other thing is, I mean, you, you got Duval and Shevler aren't going to give those spots up easily. That's what we talked about a moment ago. You know, you grab it and grab onto it, and make somebody take it from you, and yeah, they're both making a pretty good case. Yeah, I mean. Shebler was the most vulnerable coming into losing that spot. I agree. And I still think in the long run, he may end up being a platoon type of guy. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I don't yeah. know what his splits are this year, but historically his splits are pretty dramatic, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you certainly can't complain, though, with uh, with what he's done. And, and again, he's same as Billy Hamilton, 26. So, you know, we're talking a young guy still. It, it plays pretty good defense. Um you know he's not as good as Duvall, but he, you know he doesn't hurt you out there. He's not, he's not Adam Dunn. I think he's uh, he didn't have a he didn't have an arm, uh, but he's yeah. he's fairly athletic. Yeah, he played center field this week. Yeah, uh, you know I mean he's yeah he's not going to kill you. Yeah, he's not he's not Adam Dunn. Um, oh poor Adam Dunn! You brought Dunn up and you mentioned him in a negative connotation, Bill. You know what we. Oh. I'm a big fan. I know we love we love some Adam Dunn, but he was not. And you and I, you and I talked about it. If we could get anybody onto the blog, you know, onto the on the podcast. Oh he, yeah, he would be on our short list. He's the guy, right? Yeah. Um, uh, or Billy now, because you know, I, I want to interview Billy so because nobody will be able to understand either of our accents. It'd be the best podcast <laughs> ever. 
the Mississippi accent and the uh, Virginia accent uh, together again. So well, you might be able to understand each other. I know it's going to be like foreign <laughs> languages. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, if you, you read this, and I, I guess they're going to they're do. I don't know if they're doing it or they're going to do it. This extra base or extra inning, starting extra innings with runners on base in the low minors. Yeah. Are they do you are they doing that now or is that the plan for next year or I think they did it in spring training this year. I I don't believe they're doing it. Maybe I'm wrong because I haven't read anything about it recently, but I don't think they were going to do it in the minors this year. Maybe next year. I know that Lance McAllister went off on that after the of course after the 17 inning game the other right, night. Yeah. You know, I, and I I understand that I'm and part of it's just I'm I'm an old traditionalist. I'm not a DH guy. I'm not a, you know, but leave the damn game of the game alone. The, the pace of the game and the length of the game is part of what those of us that love this game love about it. The fact that there's no clock. Yeah, you know, and you play till there's a winner. Right. I mean, there he was. They're even putting forward. At least McAllister was. I don't know where he came up with. Where or you play regular extra innings, and if nobody wins after twelve, it's a tie. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I saw that. Now that's. I'm a soccer fan, you know that. I love I was me. Some- say, you know, they, they <laughs> sounds like your soccer stuff, you know. <laughs> I love me some soccer, but now no, that's I don't, you know, I don't think something like that's ever going to happen, and I don't think that um, putting a runner on base, they may do it in the and I don't care if they do it in the minors, but uh, yes, I'm 100% anti anything like that in uh, in the majors. You know, they do it internationally, and, and as a matter of fact, you know, my kids play. Uh, travel baseball and travel softball and um they have what they call international rules tiebreaker when you get into extra innings in those games uh, but uh, in those travel tournaments all the games are timed anyway it's ridiculous but uh, you, you got to do it that way uh, but anyway they put a, you know with the girls they put a runner on second and third to start the inning and with the boys they put a runner on second to start uh, each extra inning and you go until somebody wins and it does get games over quicker which is the goal <laughs> yeah in those leagues that's the goal um, is to is to finish the games a little quicker, but in the major leagues, I just I, I don't get it. I, if if you want to keep uh, batters in the box, don't let them get out of the box in between pitches. If you want to make pitchers throw pitches quicker, I, I'm okay with all of that. I don't have a problem with putting a pitch clock on the pitchers, things like that. But you, you're but starting to me that that doesn't change the, the the substance of the game. Exactly, that's what that's exactly right. Putting a runner on base that is a drastic change. From the game that everybody plays all year long, right now all of a sudden we're going to start with a runner on base. It's just it's crazy, and I, I I don't think they'll ever do it in the major leagues. I could be wrong, but I I just don't see that. Happening. I guess it's at some point they told you the designated hitter <laughs> never happen either. Now, that's probably true. That's probably yeah. true. Or interleague baseball, both things. Two of the things that I hate. <laughs> yeah. Now now that you mention it, maybe maybe we should be worried. <laughs> <laughs> It all it all comes, so you know uh, this this 2017 Reds team. They're not world beaters. They're not going to go to the World Series probably, but uh, you know I don't know. It's it's kind of fun when you don't have the expectations, but you can you can see these areas where they're tangibly improving as an organization. You see players improving. You see you know units like the the bullpen. You see some of these young kids making their mark finally. And this is as exciting a time to be a Reds fan as we've had in the last few years to, to me anyway. Oh yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. Like I said, or like we started out saying, if you can't be enjoying watching this team play, I can't imagine what your you know what what you what your expect what your expectations were. Yeah, why are you watching baseball if if you can't enjoy yeah. this? You know, and, it, and it's funny because you know I can remember a time not too many years ago where you'd be worried when the Reds got to the seventh inning and, and had a short a small lead. Now I worry from the you know from the first beginning of the game to the fifth. <laughs> right, so it's, it's the reverse. It relax a little bit. Yeah, the yeah. reverse nasty boys, I guess, uh, or just like the nasty boys. It's the reverse yeah. of last year's. Um, something I was thinking about earlier, and, and I wanted to see if you can. And this is maybe unfair to to drop this on you without giving you a chance to think about it. But this year's got to think anyway. <laughs> yeah, nobody's listening to us. Don't worry about it. Um, it makes my head hurt. <laughs> what about? Uh, which team in, in your lifetime has been the most fun to watch? And that, that doesn't necessarily correlate with the best team. Just the most fun, I guess, in your memory that you really enjoyed watching. 
My first thought was, and I'll tell you who, who, who I say, but my first thought was that 1990 team, of course, um, because I just I don't quite remember the Big Red Machine, but the 1990 team. But then you think about that team, and they were a fun group of personalities and all that, but they also struggled pretty hard for the second half of the season. They yeah, they weren't that much fun to watch until the playoffs started, and then it was just uh, amazing. So, um, so with me, I mean, it was probably the Big Red Machine just because you went out, and I was very, and I was young, I was you know, I was in my mid-teens, and and you went out there every night expecting them to win. I mean, you were surprised when they got beat. I mean, you look at their, especially if they were playing at home. I used to, we used to get down there, you know, all the time, and, and I think I went. One whole season, I think I saw him lose one game at home, and, and we went down a lot when we were kid. You know, when we were young, after we turned sixteen, heck, we could be in the car and be down at the ballpark in twenty minutes. Yeah, but but I do agree with you about the ninety team, and the thing that I liked about the ninety team was they had attitude. No, they did, no doubt about and, that. And, and it came from Pinella, yeah, and they didn't take crap off of anybody. You know, if, if you wanted to, you know, in, in hockey parlance, if you wanted to drop the gloves, that's fine. They were ready to drop the gloves. Yeah, you think about Norm Charlton running over uh, Mike Sosha at home plate. And, yeah. Uh, and just the and way they didn't, didn't back down the A's. Miles and Charlton, they go up and in on anybody. Oh, yeah. And then they faced the heavily favored A's and uh, didn't back down uh, back down one inch. So, But in terms of being fun to watch, I guess we remember in retrospect as being fun. But at the time, I I remember being frustrated by that team in the second half. Why aren't, we doing, why aren't they doing better? Um, to me, the 2010 team was as fun a team. To watch because we were coming out of this long period of uh, Reds losing, you know, a decade in, in the wilderness, and they had just had these young stars, uh, Votto and Bruce and Cueto and, and Homer Bailey, and uh, and then you, of course the dramatic uh, way to win the win the division at, at Clinchmas. But to me, that was that's when I think about fun, that's what I think about, and and I sort of squint my eyes a little bit and hope that we're seeing the the. The beginnings of a maybe next year could be 2010 for the Reds, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, all you can do at this point is, is hope that these guys progress a little bit every day. And and you know, and you and I have been saying as long as we've been doing this together that that young players are going to struggle at times. So there's going to be games where they look like they're completely clueless out there and they throw the ball around or whatever. But I think we've seen a dramatic change. And the attitude of the front office, and I, whether it's completely has to do with Dick Williams taking over, whether it was a, a, a gradual transition, you know, to, to a new idea, but it sure seems like from, from everything from, you know, the hiring they did in the offseason, the expansion of the, the, you know, the front office in the offseason, to their dealings with people like us. To, to what we're seeing, you know, the way that they're supporting the, the on-field product, you know, the, the idea that they're changing this idea of how they're using their bullpen. Everything about this team seems to be developing, and that's what I'm excited about. They seem to be moving in a direction that is going to make them more competitive. It's the era of good feelings. You know, uh, in, in my lifetime, post-Big Red Machine, all of our lifetime, post-Big Red Machine, the Reds have been – very often difficult to watch. <laughs> there have been a lot of bad seasons in there, and especially since 2000, just a lot of bad baseball. And and now, in terms of optimism, they're in a position right now that they've not been in in a long time, where you really feel comfortable, uh, comfortable with the front office. You really are seeing some actual progress uh, on the field. And some new things that willingness to try some new things, all in the, uh, all in the, with the goal of let's how many games can we win? It's a, it's as exciting a time to be a Reds fan as we've had in a long time. And over my lifetime, it's you know, there aren't very many times as a Reds fan where you're can be this optimistic about the future. Now that's not to say it's going to pan out, but I think there's real reason to be optimistic. Yeah, there's there's, there's you know it's a short span type thing, and I think whenever you're, uh, unfortunately with the with the economics of baseball. I think your window, you know, when you're a small a franchise like the Reds are, your windows are going to open and close. You're not going to, you know, we're not going to be the Cubs or the Yankees or, or even the Cardinals, where they seem to have whatever they need to compete at any time. Uh, but this does seem like a point where the, the window is starting to open again. And, and if that isn't exciting for you, you know, 
will it work out? Hell, I don't know. You know, if I do that, I'd bet different. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It's a, it's a, it's a fun time. And, uh, yeah, we, this is uh, episode number 168 of this podcast, and you and I have spent a lot of time uh, moaning and complaining about the Reds. When there's because there have been some times where it's just not been not been fun. And the fact that we're both sort of smiling right now and kind of enjoying the way things are going, that's to me something I don't want to uh, take for granted because it's not always been like that, has it? No, it hasn't. And if you're a crotchy old guy like I am, you know, and you're excited <laughs> about a bunch of young guys like this, I mean. Yeah, it's getting any better than that as a fan. That's a good thing. So, any other uh, parting parting thoughts for us, Bill Lack? Um, no. Well, fine. If that's the way you're going to be, <laughs> we'll just wrap this one up. Uh, other than the fact that we're hoping to have a surprise podcast guest within a couple of weeks, and very excited. I mentioned on on the a previous podcast that we were hopeful we were going to have somebody on and uh, here soon, and I look forward to being able to. Uh, to drop that for everyone. So stay tuned uh, to Red Leg Nation Radio. As I said, this is episode number 168 of Red Leg Nation Radio. You can find us wherever you find uh, all your fine podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, TuneIn Radio, wherever you find podcasts. I'd ask you to go and subscribe to us if you would, please, and, and leave us a rating, leave us a review if you like us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. But if you do like us, it helps people find us if you'll leave a rating and a review, uh, especially at iTunes. Um, you know... I can't thank you enough. We say this often, but you got a lot of things you could do uh, to waste your time, uh, your entertainment time, and the fact that you download and listen to us really means a lot to us. Bill, thanks for joining me again, buddy. Always enjoy it, my friend. Always fun. For Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 